everybody. Welcome to the Some Other Uses Podcast with Richard Wigan. I am Richard Wigan. And, uh, yes, we are still working on our theme song, but this opening that I just did can't be our theme song because I tried to do it in the theme of the monsters, which is exactly what I want to talk about today. Um, we did a show last week, and I had been off for so long, and I was thinking that I didn't really fully explain all the reasons why I couldn't do it. I just, I think I just kind of stopped short, but it wasn't just that the stories weren't coming out and um, behind and watching the movies that I wanted to talk about. I was also kind of having like allergies and my asthma was kind of acting up, so I had like good and bad days. And on my good days, I could barely talk, and I, you know, it was hard for me to try to get a show recorded. So I just took that week off, and then it just kind of, just kind of turned into that. And I'm sorry about that, but so I decided to come back for this one show. Hopefully, it'll probably be a short one because I want to get this out of the way. Because I just saw, I wasn't going to probably do a show this week, but I saw the trailer for the Monsters movie yesterday. And so, yeah, I want to talk about it. Because there's so many different things. When I first saw the announcement, everybody gets excited. And everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. And it's a Rob Zombie movie. And what's that going to entail? And then we find out that... He's getting his wife to be Yvonne DiCarlo's part. He's getting one of his actor friends, uh, Jeffrey Dean Phillips, or Jeffrey, Jeffrey Daniel Phillips, excuse me, um, who played, I guess, he's he's been in a few Rob Zombie movies. And I want to say he's one of the cavemen for Geico. Um, there are a lot of those guys. He would do conventions. I see him out walking around, and everybody seemed to think that he's a really, really nice guy. But he's getting the lead as Herman Munster, and then Daniel Roebuck is taking over as Grandpa Munster. And I, my family and I, have met Daniel Roebuck so many times that he, you know, has one of those memories of instantly remembering who we are, and we've gotten so friendly with him. That we were there, like when he had first got—I think he just got married, or or he, because he, had, you know, gone through a divorce, and we talked to him after that. But then he had met someone. He since then got married, and he's his whole life has changed for the better. He's into directing. He directs these uh, religious-themed, you know, friendly, family-friendly movies. So when he got the part for Grandpa Munster, I first thought. Well, whatever the direction they go in the monsters, you know, it's odd that Daniel Roebuck is going to be working with Rob Zombie again after all these years because he has popped up in a few. He's in one of the Halloweens and uh, I think the Devil's Rejects. He, he plays these uh, one-off parts. And I've seen the Devil's Rejects. I actually have that. And I have not... I've never seen House of a Thousand Corpses met Sid Haig several times. Uh, I got I got to say, you know, got to be part of that. That's really cool. Got to be in a room full of Rob Zombie-themed people. Everybody except Rob Zombie, of course. Um, 
never was really a huge Rob Zombie fan myself. Uh, just never really got into his music and never got into his f films, really. Only got the Devil's Rejects because we've met so many people from that. Tom Tao, Sid Haig, Daniel Roebuck, just to name a few. Um, he became like uh, 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 Bill Mosley, who's also a nice guy. All these people that do these really horrific, terrible-themed uh slasher movies like really graphic stuff and you gotta admit that over the years they've really changed how they what they depict in movies and during the Rob Zombie years he really kind of pushed the envelope of what he could do at that time I mean I think the stuff that he released unrated on DVD things like that go to theaters now rated R but back then you know it was really a hard R and that's what horror movies go for. They either go for that these days, or some movies have come out, and they're like PG-13 horror movies, and I don't know how well they do, or what the point of those movies are, just to be a little scary, not to be fully scary. So when the Monsters came out, with the announcement, um, you know, it's a reboot, whatever, remake, uh, people are going to have their fun making fun of it. Uh, if if you get, if you get into it, you get into it. If you don't, you look for ways to to tear it apart, and that seems to be what's going on. A few weeks ago, they released like because he's he's been very social with this Rob Zombie. Uh, I see articles whenever he shares photos, so he's really excited about this project. But these days, with the pandemic, once he started showing production photos. I kind of thought, is, is this only going to stream on Peacock and not go to theaters? But now we're getting back into theaters. I don't know. It's still a 50-50 shot whether it's going to go or not. I'd like there to be a bigger drive of people wanting to see it, and maybe they will push to go to theaters. But if they listen to what's going on right now, it might stay online. It might stay on Peacock. And that's why I wanted to do this show, because... As many times we've talked about streaming and availability and distribution, you know, if you can't go to theaters, go to theaters. And, and a lot of times, if you do go to theaters, you have a big, bigger chance of being released on DVD, Blu-ray, digital. And for the people who don't have streaming services, even if you have streaming services, so many of these movies are coming out, you might not have the streaming service that it's pushing or that's currently going to be distributed on. So that's a problem, and that's where lies the, the idea of how available and how well they want this movie to go out there. So a few weeks ago, they released like a, a little teaser to show, like they, they remade the intro, uh, intro to the show with their cast. And it is what it is, uh, nothing too flashy. But this trailer that everybody's getting really... Some are getting excited, but some aren't. And I just want to know... I, I don't want to know. I know these idiots out there that can't give... They give the wrong things a chance. Um, you know... I saw the trailer, and I don't see anything wrong with it, because my defense of this is basically... It's the monsters. It's not his idea, Okay? Monsters 
Is it going to be 100% original? The best you could do is reintroduce it to a whole generation. And this is what Rob Zombie has done in the past. Because I have met Sid Haig and I did my research that I knew Rob Zombie was a fan of Sid Haig. He grew up watching all these shows, children's shows, and all these shows that Sid Haig would pop up on. So I look up Sid Haig, and I saw he was on this show called Jason and Star Command. And I was like, I have to have this. Because Sid Haig had been in a lot, he's a character actor in a lot of movies. And been a, made a lot of TV appearances, and I have a few of them, like Get Smart and um, Mission Impossible, where he plays like a terrorist-type character. Uh, he always got typecast as that kind of a character. So, Jason Star Command is a space villain, and it was like the only TV show that he was actually, you know, part of the main cast. So, I thought that this would mean a lot to him if I, if I looked up and tried to find Jason Star Command and bought it and had him sign it. And I was lucky enough that I got it, had him sign it, and he even said, because he, 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 you could tell that he lo- just loves to limit to everybody. But he told me how Rob Zombie was a fan of the show, and that's why he is in all this stuff. Gr- grew up watching uh, Jason and Star Command. And then Rob Zombie went on later to become like assistant director. Or was, I forget exactly what he was. He worked on PB's Playhouse. So he has that imagination. He has that depth to go. And when you're into TV, it's, it's very few... I'll say this. Another... Because I'm, I'm going to probably defend Rob Zombie to this a lot. So many different ways. You think about the remakes. You think about the reboots that come out. Sometimes they want to come out with a whole new cast. Sometimes they want to come out with a whole new crew. Like the Buzz Lightyear situation. Tim Allen said he knew that the movies were going to be different because it wasn't the same people behind the original. Which makes sense. You don't, you don't have that a lot of times where the original people, original crew, comes back. The X-Files are an example of them coming back with some of the original crew and writers and everything. But when a reboot comes out, you, you hardly ever have somebody like Rob Zombie, who is a fan of the Munsters, makes a movie on the Munsters, and you could tell it's like a childhood dream come true for him. We don't have a lot of those kind of people out there. Because to a lot of these other people, it's just jobs. It's something to do. You know, your people that work for the art are your independent film makers. They're the ones that fight to have their film to be seen at festivals, to get into distribution, to go everywhere. These other commercial movies like The Minions, Jurassic World, Lightyear, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, most recently. All these commercial movies are going to make money however they can, you know, every way they can. But you hardly ever have somebody that knows the source of the material. We talk about intellectual property, which is like you can make a superhero movie, original superhero movie or 
do you want to take somebody else's superhero like Batman or Spider-Man? And once you have studios, enough studios are making these movies and cranking out, DC Comics is going one way, Disney and Marvel's going another. You even had Ben Affleck recently say he never wants to touch another IP again because he had his experience with Batman. He, he wanted to make a Batman movie, and so many people did not want him to make it, and he just fell out of it. And when you are working on something that doesn't belong to you, it's harder and harder to sell as an original concept. You know, the, the director of the original uh, Thor, um, most recent one, I mean, original Thor, I don't, I don't know why I said that. The director of the most recent Thor isn't a huge fan of it. And you have people like that. You have people that are making these movies that don't know the source. And you think there's a disconnect. And it's very slim. Like, even Jurassic World has gotten attacked. Somebody was like, on the internet, this is like a verified person too, like an athlete or something, or somebody complained about the T-Rex in Jurassic World that, you know, why you act like the T-Rex isn't so tough, or why why you give the T-Rex so many small things to, to do. That's, that's, that's the sum of what he was saying. The T-Rex is getting cut out of the movie. And you have so many ideas that it's just, it, you don't want things to become stale. People don't know what original is anymore. Everything's derivative. I could do many shows on that. But it's just... You know, when, you, when you take on something like Jurassic World, everybody thinks of Jurassic Park. Are you making something new? Are you making something different? Which could be two different kinds of things. Because new would be like... Kind of like an improved version of what they did back then. Could still count as new. Different would be a different cast, which they did, but now in the latest one, they come together. And you still have the thoughts of comparing it to before. But memory is key in all this, of when you watch television shows and movies that get rebooted, like Ghostbusters Afterlife. It took them forever to make something like that happen. When they finally made it with the women... It still happened. It was with the women. They tried to do original thought. And it didn't work out. They tried to tweak it. People didn't like it. Okay. Well let's come back and do a Ghostbusters movie. Exactly the way. That they did. In the, in the 80's. Then people would say. This is a rip off. This sucks. This is exactly what they did. In the 80's. So which way do you want to go with it? Jurassic World is now being, being introduced for a whole new generation of kids. I grew up with Jurassic Park. I was excited about it. Did not let me down. The toys. I got excited about it. So going to the... Uh, well, another thing I'll mention. Get Smart. Steve Carell. He could have made a movie about him being a funny detective. Right? A bubbling detective. Spoof. But no, they got the IP to do Get Smart. Because they wanted and always pictured Steve Carell 
right from the get-go as Maxwell Smart, even though he would change his voice and be different. And I just kept thinking, I love Steve Carell. I do. This is weird, though, because this doesn't feel like Get Smart at all. You think, what is it? I have all of Get, the original Get Smart on DVD from the 60s, so I know what to compare it to. And I know what's missing. And I know that what made Get Smart clever, it, you, needed, you needed that imagery. You needed it to be the 60s. You needed to be in that moment. You needed to live that moment. Yes, I'm watching it 40, 50 years later. But it, it's still it's nostalgic. But imagine watching it at the time and seeing Don Adams and knowing every week Don Adams is coming back as Maxwell Smart. You will always remember Don Adams as Maxwell Smart. Years later, let's reinvent Get Smart with someone else taking over the part. I just, there was a disconnect. There was a huge disconnect. I love Steve Carell, but there was a huge disconnect. There was a disconnect with the way they handled uh, Siegfried. Just terrible. You know, I, the, the things you look for, is anybody from the original Get Smart going to be in it? To, to make this stand out, you know, you have the shoe, you have these things that, the, the shoe phone, you have these things that you remember from Get Smart. Maybe that's what makes it Get Smart. You know, years ago, this is ahead of its time, they made a live action version of Inspector Gadget with Matthew Broderick. I loved that. I loved it because it was Inspector Gadget. I thought it was weird it was Matthew Broderick, but I got into it because I. For one thing, I was a kid, didn't know any better. Didn't have internet, didn't have any other way to look up who else I could think would play the part. Probably somebody different. Also a part by John, uh, Don Adams. So, there was a disconnect. But I was somehow willing to overlook it because it was new and different. It was new and different. Because it was not Don Adams. And they went to an entirely different direction. They decided to make it live action. But you did live action based off something that does a lot of things that could be pulled off better in a cartoon. But they did it. I, I, I loved it. I, I, you know, I, I'd love to watch it again. I miss watching Inspector Gadget. Then they made Inspector Gadget 2, and I never got to see the directed video one on that. But, but going back to the Munsters, this is my first thought when I saw the trailer. Yes, it looks cheesy. Yes, it looks campy. These are the same words that people are using to describe it. Of course they're going to say these things. But I like what somebody on my Facebook feed put. They said that it's based off the Munsters, guys. It's based off cheesy and campy. That's what the Munsters was. Yeah, the Munsters, and they had the Adams family. Okay? Now, the Adams family, I loved kind of more than the Munsters. Sorry, guys, but I do. I love Adam's family because of John Aston and Jackie Coogan. I just think that the dark humor was way ahead of its time with what they did with the kids and how violent it got. The dark ideas, the monsters, 
original based off a guy's stories. Monsters is based off like every stereotypical vampire, werewolf, Frankenstein. That's what Herman Munster is. He's, it's all cheesy, okay? He's a Frankenstein monster and his last name is Munster. And I think I remember Rapu saying this on The Simpsons when he's uh, talking to Butch Patrick, which now I can't, I guess, do the Apu accent. So you just can imagine what he was saying when he says, "If your father was a Frankenstein and your mo- and your mother was a vampire, why? How are you a werewolf?" You know, the show didn't make sense. Uh, one, two, three, Mockingbird Lane. Th- this this show this one after the other. It sounded like it was made for TV, and they did made for TV movies. But this show is like made to be seen on TV. So now Rob Zombie is taking them out of their TV world. They tried to do a TV pilot years ago with Jerry O'Connell and uh, Eddie Izzard. That went a different direction. Well, uh, still, you know, live action. They didn't do a cartoon out of it. But it was weird. And it started out as a pilot. The pilot didn't get picked up, so they turned it into a movie. It was just this... It, Grandpa Munster, Eddie Izzard, it, it just it didn't look... It looked interesting. Now they could probably pull it off because it would really look like... It would look so much not like Monsters that people would like it that you don't understand the Monsters. When I watched the trailer, the first thought that I thought, what besides this being a childhood dream of Rob Zombie's come true, my, my first thought, my second thought, was that this looked like Rob Zombie got called in to direct an episode of The Monsters. And I think that's the best thing you can say about it. And that's that's going to be my strong opinion about it. That's why I wanted to do this podcast today. Put it out there. Because I... I imagine being the fan of something and you get to be part of that world. And it looks... I mean, different actors, you're going to have different cast choices that are easy for them to make fun of. Rob Zombie got his wife to play the part. Of course it's going to be her. Who else would be that part in a Rob Zombie movie? Is that the best guy to be Fred Gwynn? No. But back then, Fred Gwynn was Fred Gwynn. And you only had reference of him. The, the, the coolest thing about the Munsters was seeing Al Lewis and Frank uh, and Fred Gwynn act together again after doing Car 54, Where Are You? That was that lure. It was seeing them. It was seeing them in black and white. And then later seeing them in color... It, ch- it kind of changed things. But people like seeing that. So it tries its best to look like what they look like. But to be an original take on somebody else's intellectual property. But done in the style as if they did the show. Because that's what it was. If you were to see the monsters in color, it looks like that. 
if you make it black and white, I think people, for one, some people go, why can't it be in color? You're always going to have that group of people who don't understand black and white. If he kept it black and white, I don't think you'd have a hard, I don't think you'd have a bigger problem than people are having with it now. Because some people are thinking, this looks cheesy. This looks like I like I made it. This looks like it's homemade. This looks like this looks like a school project. What's Rob Zombie doing? He's, is he losing his mind? Shut up. Okay. You you've shown what happens when somebody lives their dream. You've seen what happens. He knew and knows what he's doing with this. It's based off the Munsters show. Have you ever seen the show? I've seen it way too many times. I've seen the same one one too many times. Okay? There's an episode where they actually make him look handsome. And what do they do? It's just Fred. It's just Fred Gwynn and a makeup. That was an easy day. Rubber bats flying around. What do you think the show was? Okay. Barry Sonnenfeld, who's recently talked about Men in Black stuff, I like to talk about it on another show, but he helmed the Adams Family movies. He led the way for that. I think he was ahead of his time with what he was doing with that intellectual property. So I, I trust Rob Zombie with this. And he's probably gotten haters all his life for different reasons. But the Monsters is PG. You know, it'd be a bigger case if he made this perverted, if he made it violent, if he made it sadistic, like a lot of what your horror movies are out there doing with other ideas. I think it looks like a fun movie. I think it looks like something we need these days. To completely take your mind and get sucked into a world that, yeah, it'll make you feel like you did it or whatever. It just, it will take you back to what shows look like. It's nostalgia. And Rob Zombie knows all about that because you go through all his movies and he's cast his favorite people. He's gotten his favorite actors and actresses to be in his films. He is lucky to have that kind of support. To have that kind of camaraderie. Yes, he gets his wife for everything. But wouldn't you like to have that as your perfect setup for your world? Where you could do your job. You could live your dream. You could create. You could be with your family. You could be with your friends. You can make fun projects. What are you going to harp on? You're going to harp on the fact that he could have he done a hard R Munsters? Really raking it in? Ruin the Munsters? No. He has not ruined the Munsters. He's like a residential director. It's like he stepped in for like three or four episodes, did a story arc, and left. That's what that is. So go see the Munsters. As more and more information comes out about it, I'll let you guys know. Check out the Munsters trailer on YouTube. 
I just had to make this show today and put it out there today. Yeah. So I'm just going to end it right there. Hopefully we'll have another show to talk about something soon. I don't want to jinx myself and set up a whole show and then not do one, but I just had to do another one this week. So thank you for listening thus far. Don't forget to subscribe if you already haven't to Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Check out the Monsters trailer. Seriously. Bye, everybody. Bye.